there. All right. Are you ready for God's word? Why don't you turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. Number, Numbers chapter 13. And we've been in this series, um, Limitless. And, um, and, and here's kind of the heart behind this series. And it's really my passion. And that is that I, I don't want anyone to be limited in the life that you live. The Bible says that we can do all things through Christ. All things. It doesn't say some things. It says all things. And I know we live in a world of limits and limitations. I, I understand that. But I want you to think and, and live in such a way that you can do everything and anything that God's called you to do. And we limit ourselves so many times. And I don't want any of your potential to make it into your grave. I want any of your potential. Listen, God will steward his promise, but you have to steward your potential. Your potential, God's responsible for his promise, but you're responsible for your potential. He will not be responsible for your potential. And so I don't want anyone to go to the grave with any potential left. I want you to live the life that God's called you to live. And so many times we disqualify, well, if, you know, if I had more money, right? If, if I had a husband or if I had a wife or if I had a boyfriend or I had a girlfriend or if I had this job or that position or this house or that thing or this car, right? If I was skinnier, if I was taller, if I was healthier, and if I lived in a different city, and we have all these limitations, right? I'm not, listen, I'm not good at speaking. Well, neither was Balaam's donkey, but he sure delivered a word from the Lord, right? That's where we first got the term smart donkey. And so many times we limit ourselves when the Bible says we can do all things. We can do all. Now, you've, you've got to decide whether you believe that or not. But I, I, don't, I, I want you to be able to do everything. I believe God has called you all to amazing things. I think you all have amazing potential. I think God's got a calling for you. He has promises for you. He has good for you. In fact, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you. And then he, then he qualifies them. They are good thoughts and not evil thoughts. They are thoughts that will give you hope and an expected outcome. In other words, a good ending, right? Like God has good thoughts towards you. And so we're in this, in this limitless series and I want you to live life where you don't limit what God can do in you or through you by what you see or think or feel. And so we've been talking about this in Numbers 13. This really is where the whole series comes from. But in Numbers 13, um, this is where the, the scouts come back. They've, they've gone into the promised land. They've scouted it out. They come back. Two of them, Josh and Caleb, Joshua and Caleb, are like, hey, we can take the land. The other 10 had a committee meeting. Everything goes wrong when unauthorized people have a committee meeting. If I was at a pastor's conference, revival would have just broken out right there. When unauthorized people start having a committee meeting, you know we're headed the wrong direction. So they had a committee meeting and they decide they can't go in. Here's what it says, verse 30. But Caleb tried to quiet the people. He said, let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. 
all the people we saw were huge, right? This is the first fake news, by the way. Verse 33, we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. This is where the whole series came in right here. Next to them, we thought we were grasshoppers and that's what they thought too. Next to them, we thought we were grasshoppers and they, listen, so here, here is Israel. God delivers Israel out of Egypt. Uh, it, it was 11 day, if you just went straight from like the Red Sea to, to where the promised land was, it was an 11 day journey. It ended up taking them almost two years um, because God took them. And here's why God led them the, the long way around. The Bible actually says he took them the long way around because they weren't ready for battle. God won't lead you into a battle you're not ready for. Now, here's what that means. If you're in a battle today, God thinks you can win. He would have not let you be in a battle he didn't think you could win. So if today you feel like you're in a battle, guess what? God thinks you can win, do you? And so after two years of journey, they get to this promised land and here is what God has promised them, this land full of milk and honey, all the goodness of the Lord. God has promised them this. And he's promised not only that, he's told them there, there are enemies in there. And he said, you know what, I'll go before you. And so here they have a promise, right? It's kind of under siege by all these obstacles or enemies. And God said, I'll, I'll go before you, I'll drive them out. And then they come up with this idea, hey, why don't we send scouts in there to see if God's telling us the truth, that there's really a good land with enemies. And they come back and find out, you know what, there's a good land with enemies. Exactly what God had told them. But then all of a sudden, they have a committee and say, we can't go in there. There's enemies in there. There's giants. This land eats people. And so they're standing at the threshold of what God has promised them, and they decide to not go in. And then they end up 38 more years, a total of 40 years, walking in the wilderness. And we, we read that and we say, they are so dumb. How could they have a promise from God, see a promise from God, God speak to them about his promise and them not go and take possession of it? How could they not possess the promise when God shows them the promise, tells them the promise? Well, they're dumb. Let's talk about that a minute. What has God promised you that you're not possessing because you're unwilling to believe or trust? How many times do you gonna how many times are you gonna go from relationship to relationship to relationship because somehow the next relationship's gonna make you happier or feel better? From substance to substance, from job to job, from career to career. How long are you gonna blame the Amorites because you can't you know, we all have ites. They didn't go in because the Amorites, that was the enemy, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Jebusites, you know, all the ites. But we all have ites. How long do you want to blame the bossites, the wifeites, the husbandites, the boyfriendites, the girlfriendites? Right? How long do you want to blame all the ites? Well, my family ites, my job ites, my friend ites, my Facebook ites, my cellulites. I mean, how long do you want to blame? All the ites. You know, the truth of it is that the problem they had was not 
The problem they had was not the circumstance that they saw. The problem they had was the way they thought about the circumstance. The problem wasn't that there was an enemy. The problem was the way they thought about themselves. Look at this limited thinking. We're just grasshoppers and that's what they think too. Well, how long do you want to think poor? How long do you want to think broke? How long do you want to think sick? How long do you want to think depressed? How long do you want to think like you're in bondage? Because you're never going to have freedom when you're thinking like you're in bondage. You're never going to prosper when you think like you're impoverished. You're never going to succeed when you think about failing. How long do you want to live in the wilderness? How long do you want to to turn away from what God has promised and blame it on somebody else. I mean, there's two reports here. There's the report of the Lord. You can have this land. I'll go before you. And Joshua and Caleb said, hey, these people are our prey. God has given us this land. There's God's word. And then there's all these opinions. They're stronger than us. Now, how did they come up with that? Did they ask them? Like, hey, we're from Israel. We're spies. And we're just scouting out the land. How much do you bench press? (laughs) Just wondering. Just ballpark it for me. They're stronger than us, right? I mean, when you, when you read through all the things they said, they're all just things that they thought. They're all just the way that they thought about the situation that they were in. They were, it was how they thought about them and how they thought about others. And it really reflected that they thought that God couldn't do what he said he was going to do. I call this message limitless thinking. You see, Israel spent 40 years in the wilderness and it wasn't because God wasn't strong or powerful. It wasn't because they didn't have a promise and it wasn't because of the enemy. They spent 40 years in the wilderness because of one thing, the way they thought. Remember Jeremiah Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Here's the problem. We don't know the thoughts he thinks towards us. And you will never live the life that God's called you to live until you learn to think the way that God wants you to think. They stayed in the wilderness till an entire generation died out and it all came down to what they thought. They didn't possess the promise and the only reason was because of the way they thought. So I want you to write three things down. And we're going to work through this together. I made this message. I, I can't tell you, or I can, I can try, but I felt, I, I came under such a conviction of the Holy Spirit about the way that I think. And that's really where this whole series came from. And I realized I have, and I'll ask myself from time to time, what is the thoughts that I currently have that are limiting my life? And I'll probably do a whole series on this later. But this message is one that was, the other messages have been good. We, it was laying a foundation really to get to this message and next week and then wherever we go from there. But, but, you know, we talked about this limitless kingdom. You've got to understand God is without limits. And then we talked about faith. You've got to believe God can do what he said. But now we're going to get down to some application. And this was such, uh, I just became so convicted to say, well, what am I thinking? And how does God want me to think about me and about what's going on around me? And so that's where this meant. So I try to make it as simple. I mean, just simple as I can. So you can write these things down. I have three points. I know last week I didn't have points and that freaked people out. My OCD people, they left the church. They're never coming back again because I didn't have points. 
and I didn't warn them until halfway through the message. And so, but, but here's the first thing. Number one, you are what you think. You are what you think. Proverbs 23, seven says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Here's, here's what that means. Your life will follow your mind. However you think, your life will follow. Whatever you think, that's where your life is. If, we want, if you really want to know where your life's headed, figure out what you're thinking. As a man thinks in his heart, so you will be who you think you are. Is that, it's either God's word or it's not. Right? It's either all true or none of it's true. You, look at this scripture, Proverbs 4.23. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thought. Your thought life is the framework that your life's going to be built on. How you think is the foundation and the framework that will shape what your life's going to look like. In other words, um, however you think today will determine what your life looks like tomorrow. Another way to say it is, whatever your life looks like today, it's because of how you thought yesterday. You know, if you're, and this is kind of what I had to do, if you're not happy with your life, and I'm happy with my life, but still, I, I think we can always get better. I want to do everything God's called me to do. I want to live the life God's created me for, and I don't want to go to heaven with any of my potential in my grave, and I sure don't want to leave any promises on the table. Are you with me? Like, I'm one of those, if we're going to a buffet, let's make sure we're in pain when we leave. I don't want to leave anything left. If it's paid for, I want it. Right? But sometimes you just need to call a staff meeting. Like if you're not happy with where you're at, or even if you are, you ought to call a staff meeting with yourself, just yourself, and think about what you've been thinking about. Don't think about how your husband can change. Don't think about how your boss can change. Don't think about how, if you had another job or had more money or had a different car. Don't think about if I had more Instagram likes or if I had more Twitter followers or if I just had my own YouTube channel. Don't think about that. Think about what you think about. Take an inventory of your thoughts, because here's why. You can't have heavenish results when you have hellish thoughts. You can't think about losing and expect to win. You can't think about being depressed and expect to be happy. Listen, I have counsel with people, and this is why I don't, because it's not healthy for me. Because I will sit eventually across from someone that is some distant cousin to Eeyore, and their only job is to convince me how terrible their life is. Well, I lost my tail. I don't have any friends. The dog got ran over. My husband left. The car broke down. 
And, and I'll sit there for a while because I think, well, they came to me for help. And I would sit there and I would say, yeah, but you know, here's what the word of God says. You know, I believe God can do. And after about an hour of them rebutting everything I had to offer, I finally realized you just came here to depress me. I don't want to be depressed. Let me pray for you and you go live the hellish life that you seem so resolute in living. Well, you don't understand my case. I've had it worse. I've, I've been abused. I, I've, been, I've been mistreated. I've been let down. I've been rejected. I've been abandoned. So is everybody else. I've been thrown under the bus. Well, get out from under the stupid thing and drive it where you want to go. I could tell you my story if you want to hear it, but you know what? Nobody wants to hear that. We all want to hear about people who win. We want to hear about people on the way somewhere. Nothing in your life's going to change until the way that you think about it changes. You are what you think. As long as you're always going to be the cast out, the outcast, the, the, the rejected, the abandoned, the everything, never, nothing's ever going to work. Nothing, listen, as long as that is what you want to think about all the time, that is what you're going to end up with. Insanity is expecting something different while doing the same thing. You are what you think. That is what God's word says. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. Here's the second thing. You are responsible for the way you think. You are responsible. I know there's a lot of Christian people, and, and not in this church, but I've met some, that they, they like this idea of having a sovereign God, which means he manipulates and controls everything, so they're never responsible for anything. It's the case sera, sera gospel. That's what I call it. Okay, Sarah, Sarah, you know, I have no power to change my life. God wanted me poor. He wanted me sick. He wanted me broke. He wanted me alone. I have no power. He's sovereign. Well, then why did he give you a spirit of self-control? Why did he say go into all the world, right? Preach the gospel. Why did he tell Adam, go and take dominion and subdue it? Why did he say the, the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth he's given to the sons of men? It seems like God's trying to get you to be responsible for something. He won't be responsible for your potential. And I'm going to tell you something else. He's not responsible for your life. You are. He's provided you the same thing he's provided everybody. Forgiveness, righteousness, right? Right standing with him, right? He has provided you through the blood of Jesus an inheritance and a promise that you can be the victor, that he always leads us in triumph in Christ Jesus, that we are more than conquerors in. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we live all of our life telling God who's against us. And God's saying, when do I matter? Because I beat the whole world. <laughs> You're responsible for the way you think Philippians 4.8, I love this. I use this version because this is the one I read when I need a tune-up. But it says, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts. Now, I know the context of that is to focus your thoughts, to set your thoughts. But I just like it because it, sometimes your thoughts are broke. Some of you have some broken thinking. And you need to fix your thoughts. 
Here's what Paul says. You need to fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right, what is pure, what is lovely and admirable. That pretty much means you can't watch CNN. And for some of you, you're going to have to get some people off your Facebook. (laughs) That's why I'm not on it. Because I always felt like I was rejecting people if I didn't friend them, but I didn't really care about what they had to say because it's terrible. But they'd visit the church one time and want to be buddies. And then I'm like, I don't want to look at that. My Lord, I'm depressed. I want to be happy. Anyways, need to fix your thoughts. Think about these things. Think about, think about the things that are excellent and praiseworthy. Think about this. How much time do you spend thinking about excellent and praiseworthy things? You know, I had, to, I had to retrain the way I think because I have a spiritual gift called find what's wrong. I do. It's amazing. I'm anointed. You can ask the staff. They all know, bless their hearts, they have so much grace for me. Because I warn them, like when I hire you, you need to know this about Pastor Marty. He has a superpower called find what's wrong. And if all of a sudden I'm just only talking about what's wrong, it's okay to remind me and say, hey, is there anything right? Right? Because there's more right than wrong. I just have a superpower. I was trained somehow to find what was wrong. Now, it actually serves us good because I find things that need to be addressed But sometimes we forget that there's a lot of good things going on. So this is kind of a double-edged sword. So what I did was I I decided in staff meeting, we start staff meeting by celebrating the wins. So we share testimonies. We talk about anyone that took a next step. We talk about anyone that, that started serving on a dream team. We talk about any new life group news or if there's a new life group or a new life group. We talk about how many salvations were from the weekend. We start by talking about what's right. I did that years ago because I needed to change the way that I thought. Because I'd come in staff meeting and I'd say, let me tell you what happened this weekend. I don't know if anybody saw it, but there was a fly on the drum cage. I don't know how that fly got in here. But we need to replace one of the lights in the drum cage with one of those lights that fry, fry, fly, you know, fries bugs. You know. And, and what I love about my staff now is they're all learning to find the things I would find and I don't even have to point out anything that's wrong anymore. But now I get to be the good guy and just say, oh man, it's a great weekend. My Lord, y'all did a great job. And they'll say, well, you know, we need to adjust this. Well, I knew that, but I knew they knew that. So I just wanted to fix my thoughts on what was praiseworthy. I wonder in your marriage, what would happen if you fixed your, my God, I'm preaching now. What would happen if you fixed your thoughts on what was praiseworthy about your spouse? That's kind of how I expected it to go over. I wonder with your kids, what would happen if you fixed your thoughts on what was praiseworthy about your kids, right? What's pray? I wonder that boss who signs your paycheck, I wonder what would happen if you fixed your thoughts on what was praiseworthy. What would happen if you just dwelled on the good things in your life? Would it look any different to you? 
That's why uh, Paul tells the Colossians, set your mind and keep it set. That's Colossians 3. Why does he tell us to be so proactive about thinking the right things and fixing our thoughts and setting our minds on the right thing? Why does Paul do that? You know why? Because we all have default ways of thinking. We have a default way of thinking. Just like my, my default thing was what went wrong. Because I can tell you. I'm anointed. You can send me to a restaurant I've never been in. I'll find what's wrong with it. Right? But now I don't worry about it because none of my business anyway. I just, all I'm worried about was the food good or not. I want some praiseworthy food. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You, you see what I'm saying? Um, we have default ways of thinking and, and we have reactive ways of thinking. Right? And, and our minds were broken. They were crushed. Our souls were crushed in the fall. What's our soul? My mind, my will, my emotions. So my mind was crushed in the fall. And because of that, we have ways of thinking. Let me, let me help you with some default ways of thinking. They're always going to leave. I'm never going to be accepted. I'm never going to be enough. I'm always going to fail. I'll always be alone. No one really understands. I'm always going to be abandoned, rejected, cast out. This bad is always going to come my way. It's never going to work out for me. Those are all ways of default thinking that we have and you have them too. And you know you have them. We just don't think about it. We have these, I call them limbic lies. You know, the, the Bible says Satan is the father of lies. and talks about the fiery darts of the enemy. And, and the enemy will work hard to help you form a way of thinking about you or about God. God never comes through for me. He'll bless everybody else, but he won't bless me. God won't do it for me. God just doesn't love me. God doesn't care about what I'm... God's left me again. I feel like God's abandoned me one more time. We have these ways of thinking. And the enemy will so help us get the tape started that now he's never around. We just play the tape for him. When something happens, we react and that lie comes out again and we say, you know what? Yep, never going to work out for me. God's not going to come through for me. I'm never going to get a raise. I'm never going to be noticed. I'm never going to be loved. I'm always going to be alone, never going to be accepted. God doesn't care about what I'm going. Obviously, God's too busy on the other side of the universe helping somebody else. And we just run that tape. I'll tell you some of my, here, here's, I told the staff this, and I'm, this is your homework, right? So I'm going to give you some homework. Some of you will do it and win, and others, you'll do it later and win, but you could do it and win now. I think you need to identify your top four or five limbic lies, the reactionary thoughts that you have that are programmed by hell itself that limit what God can do in your life. And I'll tell you one of mine. Um, I had this lie that I believed that I would always fail. No matter what, eventually I would fail. And uh, I was actually talking to a friend of mine who knew a lot about the church, and, and I was talking about this, and I said, you know, I just believe I'm going to fail. And, uh, and he said, um, he said, uh, well, everything I know about the church sure doesn't say failure to me. And I said, I know, but I just think I'm going to fail. And what it was, this limbic lie had, had so taken root that I just believed eventually I'm going to fail. And so here's what I did. I, I, I had several of these and I lined them up in order and I went and got a word from God. So here's this lie. You're going to fail. And some people say, well, you, you haven't failed. I'd say, well, I hadn't failed yet. Right? So I lined up the, this lie, and, and, and then I got 
the word from God. Remember, remember in the scripture, there were two words. We can go in and conquer the land. There's monsters in there. The land will eat us if we try to live there. Right? Two ways of thinking. And so here's what I did. Deuteronomy 28. The Lord will command a blessing on your storehouses and all you set your hand to will prosper. Deuteronomy 28. So you know what I did? I said, limbic lie. This is obviously from the devil. It, it's, it's, it is different than the word of God. It is opposing to the word of God. This right here opposes everything God wants to do in my life. Because God, God says he always leads me in triumph in Christ Jesus. That I'm more than a conqueror. And I mean, you can quote so many scriptures that tell you, you don't have to fail. God didn't, God didn't create you and redeem you to fail. He created you and redeemed you to win, to have victory. And so I said, okay, well, God, your word, Deuteronomy 28, you will command a blessing on my storehouses and everything I set my hands to will prosper. So here's what happens. Anytime, anytime I hear you will fail, number one, I ignore it because that's the devil, right? That's a limbic lie. It's not true. And then here's what I say. No, God commands us. He commands a blessing on everything that I have and everything I lay my hands to will prosper. Right? I, we went through, sometimes the life experiences we go through gives us, they give us bad ways of thinking. And Julie and I went through a, a season where we traumatically lost everything financially. And I don't know if you've ever lost everything financially, but it's a big shift when you, when you go from, we can, not that we were wealthy, but we could kind of do what we wanted to do. If we wanted to go on vacation, we just went on vacation. If I wanted new shoes, I bought new shoes. If Julie wanted a new dress, she bought a new dress. If we wanted a new car, we bought a new car. And then we went to this place where I had a breakdown in academy one day because I didn't have enough money to buy Luke's shoes and his feet were hurting. And we didn't tell the church what was going on. We were pastoring a church. We didn't have a salary because the church was new. We were in the hotel. Elders knew what's going on. Y'all have heard my story, but I had this breakdown because couldn't buy him shoes. So that's how traumatic it was. Well, that produced some ways in thinking to me where I would start noticing things like if the check engine light in my truck came on, I panicked like, oh my God, the motor's about to fall out and I don't have the money for a new motor. Right? I mean, if, if, I, if, if something broke, dishwasher broke or air conditioner broke, I thought, oh my God, Julie, we can't call a repairman. I'm not going to have enough money to fix it. Whatever it is, because they're going to tell me the whole house burned down. And, <laughs> and I really caught, like, this is recent and this is really where some of this came from. But we have a pool and our pool has a spa and so the spa has a heater. And back in 2016, um, you know, when we did the money for the land, Julie and I gave all of our money to the church. So when you give all of it, that means you don't have a lot left. And then the, the spa heater went out not too long after that. It quit heating. And so I had the pool guy, he came over and, and he said, I'm not a spa guy, but I'll look. And he said, you know, Mr. Strait, I think this one, he said, I'm not real sure, but it, it doesn't look good. You may even need to replace the whole thing. How much is that? Well, it's about $4,500. Oh, Jesus. So now you're going to laugh at me and that's okay. So he said, you need to call someone that this is their expertise. I never called them because I was too scared of what it was going to cost to fix it. Until finally Julie said, you have got to get my heater fixed because she won't even swim in the pool unless it's 90. <laughs> Seriously, she made me heat the pool. <laughs> and, so, um, and so literally I call, finally called the guy and I thought, man, what is wrong with me that I'd go a year with this not working? 
when I don't even know what the problem is. I thought I was a grasshopper and that's what the, the spa thought too. <laughs> the repairman comes out and I was at the office and, and Julie was there and she called me. She said, well, the spa's fixed. I thought, oh my God, she told him to put in a new heater. <laughs> I said, what was wrong with it? And she said, one of the sensor wires had come off. And she said, he just reattached it and just charged us $74 for coming out and looking at it. We went, we went without the blessed promise of hot water in our spa <laughs> for over a year because of the way I think. Wasn't anything more than a limbic lie in the way that I think. Isn't that interesting? And we have these, we have, listen, you have them too. You have these ways of thinking. But we're responsible for what we think. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy every argument or lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive. You are responsible for what you think. You are responsible, no one else. You are responsible for, for the way you think. Here, here's the third thing. You could write this down. You can change what you think. Nothing in your life will change until you change the way you think. Your life right now has been impacted by your thoughts. And the only way to change where your life is going is by your thoughts. Remember, as you think, your life follows. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And so you can change the way that you think. Romans 12 verse 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How many want God to transform you? Yeah, we do. We want to be who God says we are, don't we? We want to be who God says we are. We want to do what God, he's our father, our origin and our creator. He knows best the plan that he has for us. And we want to live his plans and purposes. We want to live the life that he's created us for. Wouldn't we all agree with that? And this is what Paul says. There's a secret here to God transforming you into who he wants you to be. And here's the secret. Change the way you think. Right? Don't copy the way. In other words, you are not supposed to think like the world. The world does not think, hey, let's just start building the building and hope the money shows up. Right? It's not the way they think. They think, let's sign a note, nothing against notes. If someone said, well, pastor, you got 60% of the money. Why don't you just get a note for the other four? Listen, if God tells us to get a note, we will. But until then, we won't because that would be disobedience. Now, if God told you to get a note, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. That's, that's between you and God, right? On my own personal house, I have a house note that I pray against every day. Not only do I pay against it, I pray against it. Amen. But that's not what God asked us to do. If he asks us to do that, we're fine with it. But listen, God wants you to live the life he's called you to. He wants to transform you, but you have to change the way you think. You can't, you can't have the promise of God and, and live the life God's called you to when you think contrary or differently than God thinks. Here's what you need to understand. Any thought that you have that is different than the thought God has for you is the thought that is limiting the life he's called you to live. 
Any thought that you have that is different from the thought God has for you is the limiting factor in your life. As long as you think, well, we're not from there. We Listen, God will put stupid things on your heart that don't make any sense whatsoever. Like, I, you know how, how many times I've been tempted to say, well, God, if you really want us to do what you should have put me in a bigger city. Like if, we, if the population was bigger, the, the economics of cities are different and you're wanting me to build this and do these campuses, reach 10,000 people. You want us to, to, to raise up a school of ministry and all that. You, you want us to, if, God, if that's what you wanted, you know what you should have done? You should have put us in Dallas. Because it'd be easier to do from there. But we forget the reason God chose Israel is because they were the smallest nation. We forget, God, you know, it's, sometimes I think God doesn't make sense. You know, you're asking us to do all this stuff and it, God will put things on your heart that don't make sense at all. Just to see if you'll believe and to see if you'll, if you'll start thinking the way that he thinks. This is why God gives us this amazing gift of repentance. You know what repentance is? Repentance is when I run into a way that God thinks or that I think that's differently than God thinks, I decide to think what God thinks. We think repentance is about changing behavior. No, it's change. When you change your thoughts, you change your behavior. You can't live free confessing that you're bound. Well, I'm always going to be depressed. I'm always just going to be sad. I'm just, well, you always will. You always will. Well, I just can't beat this depression. No, you sure can't. Not like that. You're going to have to decide, does God want me depressed or not? The Bible says he's not giving me a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. Does God want me to depress? Not, apparently not, because he, he didn't give me a spirit of fear. He gave me a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. That's not depression. So apparently God doesn't want me to depress. So you're going to have to disagree with yourself in order to get to where God wants you to be. You can say, self, I respectfully disagree with you. I don't think I want to be depressed the rest of my life. Now, I'm not going to say that's going to fix it, but that's a good first step. Here's the thing. The Bible says that we could actually think like God. First uh, Corinthians two eleven says, "No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit." And then it says, "This we've received God's spirit so that we can know the things He's freely given us." You can actually know what God thinks about you. In fact, that would change your life. If you just knew what God thought about you, it would change your life. I guarantee. And the Bible says He's given us by His spirit a capacity to actually know what God thinks about you. And I'm going to tell you right now, what he thinks about you is more important than what you think about you. Right, remember, was, we, we think we're grasshoppers and they think it too. Some of you think God thinks negatively about you because you think so negatively about you. But Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God's, God's thoughts towards you are good, not negative. But you think, well, God thinks I'm a screw up. God thinks I'm a failure. God thinks I'm a sinner. God thinks, no, he doesn't. God thinks you're the righteousness of God in Christ. He thinks you're a son, not a slave. He thinks you're the victor, not the victim. That's what God thinks about you. God thinks you can win. God thinks you can succeed. God said, if I've given you my spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it's gonna quicken your mortal body and allow you to live a life that is overcoming and powerful no matter what your circumstance. The problem is not your circumstance. The problem is the way you think about your circumstance. Um. 
one of the ways we change our mind is through meditation. Now, I know a lot of people say, Pastor, I don't know how to meditate. You do, you do. You just call it worry. It's meditation. You're just rolling around. Oh, God, what if I can't pay the bill? Oh, my God, what if the car breaks down? Oh, my God, what if the kids all go crazy? What if you turn that around and say, oh, my God, what if today I get blessed with so much I can't even give it away? Dear God, what happens today if not only my car doesn't break down, I get a new car? God, what happens today if I pay my house off? God, what happens today if I'm healthy and strong and, and, my, and my joints are feel good? And what happens today, God, if everybody likes me? And, and God, what happens today if I'm accepted? And God, what happens? What if you just worried that way instead? God, I am so worried today I'm going to take over the world. I am so worried today that I'm going to be victorious. God, I'm going to walk in so much victory today, it may intimidate other people that hadn't caught on to this, and I'm just concerned about it, God. What if you live that way? <laughs> Joshua 1.8 says, This book of the law will not depart out of your mouth, but you will meditate on it day and night and be careful to do all that's written in it. And then will you make your way prosperous and have good success. Now, it's a pretty simple formula that God gives Joshua. Let me break it down for you. You'll meditate on God's word. And when you meditate on God's word, you'll do God's word. And when you do God's word, you win. So let me help you on this. Don't meditate on whatever it is you like. Don't worry about whatever it is you like. Why don't you just worry about God's word? Worry about God's word and you'll do God's word and you'll win. Pretty simple, right? But listen here, that means you're only gonna win to the extent you know the word of God. Because you can only meditate on what you know. Can I show you a scripture that blew my, blew my mind away and I've read it I don't know how many times. Proverbs 13, 12. Everybody knows this scripture. Hope deferred makes a heart sick. Have you ever heard that scripture? Most of the time as a pastor when I've heard this it's because someone's letting me know God didn't come through for them. Well, you know, pastor, hope deferred. I've been believing for so long for my husband, for my wife, for my job, for my house, for my kid, for my health, whatever the case may be. I've just been believing. But you know, hope deferred just makes the heart sick. That's why I'm sick because my hope's been deferred so many times. <laughs> But you know, there's a second part of this scripture. It says a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. You know what I realized? There are two ways to think. You can think about what God hasn't done and be sick, or you can think about what God has done and be like a tree springing forth a new life in the spring. Bearing fruit, springing up a tree planted by the water that will produce fruit in its season. You get to pick. And you know what I did? I read this scripture, and just to, just to make sure I never forget this, I read this scripture the other day, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I read a proverb every day. That's my thing. Um, it's because God so honored Solomon's heart when God came to Solomon and said, ask for anything. In his sleep, by the way, came to, it's so weird, but God said, ask for anything. And, God, and Solomon didn't ask for wisdom, actually asked for a discerning heart. It's an understanding or hearing heart. And, and God so honored that by saying, I'll give you everything else because you were so um, strategic or wise in asking for that. And I thought, if that means that much to God, every leader should ask for a discerning heart. So every day I ask for a discerning heart. And so because I ask for a discerning heart, I read something Solomon wrote. So I read a proverb, every 31 proverbs, you can read a proverb every day, it takes like two minutes. But I read this scripture, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. And I thought, Lord, how many times have I been guilty of thinking about what you haven't done and becoming sick. So I got a piece of paper out and I started writing 
all the dreams God's fulfilled in my life. I said, God, I wanted to be married. I wanted kids. You've given me a wife. You've given me children. You know, and, and I mean, they were big things. God, I, I wanted to preach the gospel. I've gotten to preach it here in, in, in some ways around the world, really. God, I wanted to be in vocational ministry. And, and really, since the time I came out of college, I've, I've, I've always been pretty much in vocational ministry, except one season in my life where I needed to be out of vocational ministry. But, but this, I thought this, this week, as I'm in my prayer time, then I'm going to go to my office where my wonderful staff and I are going to work on taking over the world. There are some pastors who are working their normal jobs. They'll have to try to get a message during the night so they can preach it because they have to be bivocational because the, the churches aren't big enough or, or they're not able to do that full time. And I've been able to do this full time. And I just began to think about that. And then I, you know, and, and I went from there. I thought about, you know, this church and how God put pathway in my heart when I was 19 or 20 years old and how God is, I'm watching a dream fulfilled come to pass right in front of me. And see, I could have, I could have thought I had, you know, I, I could have thought, cause I've got other church planner friends and they're like, yeah, my home church, you know, is sponsoring me with two years of salary as we plant the church. I'm like, well, that'd be nice. You know, well, in our home church is sending us out with $100,000 to get us started. Yeah, that'd been nice. Now, I had a guitar, music stand, and the Ramada. And, uh, and so I could sit around thinking about what I don't have. But I started thinking about, God, you provided the people, the finances, the staff. We're in a good place on the way to a better place. You provided the land. Now you're going to provide a building. And then I thought about silly things. I wanted to learn to fly airplanes, so I learned to fly airplanes for a season. God blessed me. I had my own airplane, got to fly it around. And then when we lost everything, we sold the airplane. And now I still love to fly, but I can't afford to fly. And then I thought about people who had airplanes that let me fly in their airplanes or fly their airplanes. And then God sent a flight instructor from like Michigan and became the chief flight instructor at Laterno University. And now he'll take me flying anytime I want to go fly something. Don't mess with me, man. Don't mess with me. God will take care of me. A dream fulfilled is the tree of life. I wonder what God's done in your life that you've been so busy worried about what he hasn't done that you hadn't had time to think about what he has done. And I wonder if your life would change if you thought about it differently. That's what Joshua said. He said, hey, we got to meditate on the word. We got we to worry about the right things. We got to meditate on the right things. James said that, that word of God is a mirror. It, it kind of tells me what I'm supposed to look like, who I'm supposed to be. And so here's what I'm saying. You can only meditate on what you know. You need to have a word from God. And so here's what I would tell you to do. And here's where we'll land the plane today. Why don't you sit down and have a staff meeting with yourself and you figure out the three, four, or five limbic lies that you default to every time? that you think about every time, the way that you think. It may be different things, there may be different things that happen, but you think about this way over and over again. And this is the way your brain goes, almost without really even thought. It just, oh yeah, this is gonna go, this, oh my God, it's, oh Jesus. And I want you to, to write them down. Why? Because once you identify them, you can ignore them. Because you'll know these are lies. Because when you, listen, when you believe the lie, you empower the liar. If you want Satan to be powerful in your life, just believe what he says about you. On the other hand, if you want to see God's power in your life, believe what he says about you. Believe the lie and power of the liar. Believe the truth and empower the truther. I don't know if we have a word for that, but don't mess with me. I make words up. I'm from East Texas. 
I only know like three or four words. The rest of them are just things I come up with. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then here's what I want you to do for every lie. I want you to do this. Seriously. What are the three, four, or five lies? Only pick three or four or five where you can remember. Right? I, I, can, I can tell you what mine are. I can tell you. I've already told you one. Deuteronomy 28. Right? No, he's going to command a blessing on my storehouse. Everything I set my hands to will prosper. It doesn't matter if it's a pool pump or a church. It's going to prosper. It doesn't have a choice. You understand what I'm saying? It doesn't have a choice. It's the word of God. I have the mind of Christ today. What does that mean? That means I can think like Jesus. I have the creativity of Jesus, the wisdom of Jesus, the understanding of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus, the intuition of Jesus. I can think like Jesus in every way. I can look at people and think the way Jesus thinks about them instead of thinking the way hell thinks about them. I can think like him. Isaiah 58, my children will be taught by the Lord and great will be the peace of my children. They're not gonna go crazy because I'm a pastor. That was one of the lies I believed. Right? So Isaiah 58, I declare it over today. My children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace, their shalom. They will prosper. They will be in health. Their minds will be healthy. Their bodies will be healthy. Their lives will be healthy. Everything they need will be supplied. They will be well. It will be well with them in every situation. Do you hear what I'm saying? And that's why, that, listen, you can do that too. You can play along too. Go make your list of limbic lies and then put your prophetic promises. And every morning, do this. Every morning before your feet hit the floor, go through all five of them. Every night when you lay down, go back all, through all five of them. All you're doing is just training yourself to think the way God thinks. And wherever you think is where you will go. Amen. Can you give God praise for a good word? Why don't you stand?